Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast for Stage 12 of the Tour de France 2023. Boring breakaway stages are dead. 2021 be gone. Absolute chaos from Rouen to Belleville en Beaujolais. Medium mountain all day, 170 k's. It starts with two Category 3 climbs, 4.4 k's, 5.6%, then 2 k's, 6%. But it's really up and down, as I said yesterday, for the first 63 kilometers before a valley of 30 k's, before a collection of three climbs, all about over 5 k's, over 6%. Last one, Rosier, 5.5 k's, nearly 8%, with bonies on top, 8.52 before an up and down sort of false flat descent of 29, 30Ks to the finish in Belleville on Beaujolais. So a really difficult stage, not atrocious heat like we saw two days ago, thankfully for everybody. But this is what I said yesterday, Benji. Yesterday, we'll see no one try to get in a break. Three guys go. Today, we are going to see a shit fight for an indefinite amount of time from everybody. <laughs> That's a fact. And it's like, it's not just one rider from a team that tries to get in the breakaway. Every single team before today had some type of plan for this breakaway. For example, a team that is wanting to go for the breakaway for the stage itself is trying to get three to four riders selected before the stage, then one by one trying to follow moves, hopefully getting one or two riders in that breakaway, preferably two of them so they have more chance of winning. But then you've got GC teams in the mix that kind of spicing it up even more because while while Akafid is and in Israel are trying to get people in the break just normally you've got UAE and and Yumbo that are kind of combining both attacking and controlling the breakaway because they don't want the breakaway with dangerous riders up there but they do want a breakaway with one of their riders up there and if Yumbo has a rider UAE wants a rider in there so it's it's this game between those two teams versus all the other teams Skelmos are trying to get in there Peterson in one of the first attacks Philippe for Quick Step, Companards for Lotto, so many attacks, and it kept on going. It was crazy, and it's like the other stage we saw, and it's poor old Mark Soler. So Yumbo are trying to get basically everyone in the break, except Vingegaard is allowed to get in the break and Koos. And Mark Soler is on patrolling duties, marking every single move, because they're not allowed in the break unless he gets in the break. Trenton a little bit too. And I think... I think these two teams are the culprits for why the break formation is taking so long. I think it's Yumbo mm -hmm. and UAE's fault. And if a, because if a, a group of eight goes up the road, they start blocking, they start looking at people saying, I'm going to stop you. Then yeah. that group of eight goes, gets 10 seconds, 15, and all of a sudden it's gone. Whereas if they're jumping over and over and over, it, it just goes on forever. Um, so what did you, I mean, for Yumbo, Clearly, another stage Vingegaard's going to win. So, yeah. the the bonus Pagacha, right? If you if a small break goes, this is a situation. If a small break goes of four riders, probably wouldn't happen. But let's say it did. UAE mm -hmm. control the stage well. They can take the full eight seconds on top of Rosier, 
because Jonas yeah. not guaranteed to come second or third. And Pogacar can win the stage. He can literally go into yellow on bonus seconds this stage. So clearly bonus seconds is not something you want Pogacar getting. So, but it reached a certain point, Benji, where I was like, this can't just be... Because Vingegaard and Pogacar themselves were so active. Like, they were sort of jumping about and looking at each other a bit as well. It was crazy. And I think that extended even more that, that phenomenon, expanded even more when there were the actual GC riders behind. With about 30 kilometers into the stage, so 130 to go, we've got a group behind with both Yates's, Simon Yates, Adam Yates, David Godu, uh, Seb Kuss, GC Kuss, also in that group, 40 seconds behind the front of the race. And at this point, I'm more looking at Ineos than I am at UAE and Yambo, because UAE's probably thinking, oh damn, Adam Yates is behind. We kind of wanted to relax a tiny bit. Yambo's probably thinking, okay, we just want someone in the breakaway. Wout van Aert, try for the 75th time, please. And we saw that Ineos, who can actually benefit from the situation because they can both move up with Carlos Rodriguez and with Pitcock, who are in the group, and they don't necessarily do it that way because they keep on attacking. With it was Fraile yeah. going, Martinez going, and at some point they did try doing what I wanted them to do for the entire tour so far, which was slipping Pitcock in a move, but they only tried at once, and if you tried it once, that's never going to happen. Yeah, there's trying and there's trying. Like yesterday, Ineos and I think Movistar went in the second move behind mm -hmm. Amador, got marked once and said, oh, we tried. We tried to get in the break. Like Yumbo were trying today to get in the break. Almost too much. And so, and it's not just on Pitcock. It's also, you know, Rodriguez needs to go too because I saw a lot of vulnerability with Hindley here. Jungles was dropped. Bookman was dropped. I don't know where Conrad and co were. Pollitt was trying to jump in the break himself and yep. then was not in front of Hindley. And the first Peacock move, Hindley had to close it himself. And yep. Bill Bauer was there. And so then it's like, okay, Rodriguez go. And now you're going to have a real fight and you can put pressure on. The yep. problem was we're reaching the end of the last climb and then it's a descent into a valley. So ideally what you would have happen is the break forms much earlier with Kwiatkowski and Freyler in it. Or if you're Yumbo with... Uh, Benoit and Van Hoydonk in it or something gets a minute a nice gap and then you attack an isolated Hinley and you go on the descent and then they can pull you in the valley but with no satellite riders as well it's like is it really going to go anywhere either I guess the option was as you said do you, do you just put Frailer and Martinez on the front to keep Adam Yates, Simon Yates all behind a long day in the saddle if you do that though because then you've got limited riders for yourself because you've got domestiques in the second group as well yeah. so it is still a bit of a gamble and eventually this ends up leading to the GC riders that were behind, the majority of them, not every single one, the Gooders of the world, the Simon Yates, the Adam Yates of the world, bridging to that proper GC group again on one of the early climbs and GC cuz was still behind. I was, I was really sad when that happened but from that point onwards we did see that it wasn't done to fight for the breakaway. Once again, numerous attacks to go. We're still only 40, 45 kilometers into, into the race. And this is where something interesting happens. We get, first of all, Wout Fanard going solo for a bit. And he probably had the largest gap up to that point by yeah, himself. Like 12, 12 13, seconds. 14 seconds, whatever. It, that was the largest gap up to now. But that didn't reach anywhere. It got up there a tiny bit longer. But eventually, it was down to another move that actually triggered something. Skelmoz and Kelderman. Kelder Goat on the okay. road that rhymed and i'm pretty proud of it they were up the road for uh, quite a bit and 
we see this action behind while those two have like a gap of 10-ish seconds, 7 seconds, something like that. We see action in the group behind where a small group's tried to get away from the Pogacar Vingegaard group and Adam Yates slips into that group. And then Vingegaard kind of like, it looked insane because at first I didn't see Adam Yates was ahead, but it looked like he was straight up attacking Pogacar if you don't realize Adam Yates was ahead. And then he went to grab a bottle in the meanwhile, and then he went to the left of the road again, caught up with the group of Adam Yates. So would you say that Vingegaard is overreacting by responding to Adam Yates there? So I guess there's option A is you just let Adam Yates go. He's not a problem for you. He's a problem for Jai Henley, Simon Yates, Carlos Rodriguez, Peo Bilbao, mm -hmm. everybody ahead of Adam Yates on GC. I guess he's thinking, if I close Adam Yates and Pogaccio counters me, He's going nowhere because Pogaccio has no teammate ahead. In fact, he had a teammate ahead. If yeah. he lets Adam Yates go and Pog gaps him, now Pog has a teammate ahead. I think on balance, he probably could just go to the wheel of Pog and let Adam Yates go. There's, yeah, it's no real need yeah. to mark Adam Yates. But that got to the point, Benjamin, where I was like, ooh, Yumbo are jumping a lot. Van Bala's dropped. Kuz dropped. Van Hoedong's dropped. Wout's been jumping. Laporte's there, but uphill, can he really help you? Benoit and Kelvin are jumping. At a certain point, 90% of the peloton was dropped. There were seven people in the yeah. peloton at a certain point. But it's also because I felt like that moment occurred because a lot of people were bridging away to the breakaway from the group of Vingo and Pogacar. And Vingo and Pogacar were looking at each other with Adam Yates there and with one teammate for, uh, was Wout Fanat there? Was Wout Fanat for uh, Vingo? But you're right. A lot of energy spending on Yumbo, but would you say they were they were spending energy? Let's be honest about it. They were jumping a lot. Kelvin trying to get in the breakaway, but note multiple times. Wout van Aert seventy five times earlier in the stage. But everybody's losing energy. Would you argue that that's significantly more than the amount that the UAE riders are suffering because they're also getting dropped? Yeah, I mean, Mike is still having to work. The thing is, the camera's not on him. He's closing mm -hmm. the gaps. The Soler's working a lot. Groschartner, I think, was dropped. Poggy didn't really do much. He, he, I think he was in the wheels a lot. So, no, yeah. he wasn't put under any pressure. But, yeah, it's clear that, you know, but it's also that they want the bonifications gone. But it got to a point, I was like, when is this break going to go? Eventually, a move does go, and it, it doesn't have UAE in it. It was initially Pedersen. Unbelievable that he was even there at this point. Again, coming to the end of the last climb, Pedersen goes, but Dylan turns, and Tej Benoit, group of three, very small gap, 12 seconds. A counter move goes with Izagira, Jorgensen, and Amador. And they're now, they're about halfway. They actually get a good gap. Jorgensen, I believe, created that on the, on the descent. And so the, this looked like the move because if Benoit yeah. and co. wait for Jorgensen, you now have like Pedersen, who's a truck. You've got Jorgensen, who's a truck. You've got all these guys, Benoit's a truck. They're all going to pull. Um, in, and we're coming into a valley now. So it's like a UAE or whoever going to pull a 30K flat-ish valley while everyone's cooked. they got teammates behind. And so this was the move. And so they get into that valley. That group comes together a little bit. Well, actually, they were, they were dangling at five seconds. And as you said, Benji, Yumbo decide enough, UAE decide enough. Those two actually maybe even talk to each other. They go to the front, Jonas, Pogaccio, Yates, uh, and Micah, and Kelderman. And they're like, we're, we're done with this. And then everyone else is like, this is the moment. If you have the legs to get in the break, this is the moment. 
Yeah. And I, I believe it was Izagira ahead and Guillaume Martin went across. And then everyone so. else starts jumping too. And, and no one's really responding to them. This was, it's funny, like, it was like so hard to get in initially. But if you were good enough to be there at this moment, everyone was allowed to jump in. Like Pino, bang, jumped in. No one yep. marked him. You just had to be, it's easier said than done. Um, and eventually we did have that breakaway. Pino jumps across very handily across a 15-second gap. Johannesson, former enemies there. Uh, good stage for him. Bergado, Campanuts, turns, I already said, Guerrero tacks on and gets across to his teammate. Vanderpool also jumps across. And also Alaphilippe and Sturvin try and jump across, but then they get dropped, pretty sh they get dropped later. So that's the break. Uh, Benoit, Pino, Amador, Pedersen, Vanderpool, Martin, Izaguirre, two Kofidis, Guerrero, Jorgensen, two Movistar, and then, you know, Turns and Johannesson are real options for this as well as uh, Bergado too. So now I was thinking, Benji, do UAE with Trenton start to control? <laughs> because it's only at 35, 40 seconds. And they just, quote-unquote, just, if they keep this reasonable before the first climb and then put Groshart and Micah Yates to work, all of a sudden the stage wins back on. Exactly. And this was the moment in the race where we're so many kilometers in, we had no s relaxing moment at all so far. And I decided to go take a piss because I can finally go take a piss halfway to stage after this entire Wait. breakaway formation. But a bit later, I come back from my pissing and I see Aja Desert. I see Aja Desert right there at the front of the peloton. And to expect from that, I was initially like, what are they doing at the front of the race? Then we dive into the, the mouth of GC. We see O'Connor is still behind in the Cuz group. So they're definitely not pacing for O'Connor. They're pacing away from O'Connor. But Felix Gollison was at 15 in GC before the stage starts. And we see that Landa, Buchmann, and uh, another rider, three of them were behind. Then he can skip over those three riders in GC. So basically they're fighting for 13th in GC. Is that worth it? I mean, <laughs> is it worth it? I mean, sure, not really. Like, mainly because they weren't going anywhere with it. What was curious to me is they take a minute out with Narsen, right? Mm -hmm. And then it gets to 2.30. The break, by the way, that you always could, don't be tricked by these breakaways. I've already read the names out twice. They know what they're doing. Izagira, Benoit. All these guys, they're experienced. They're also strong. Yeah. They've also taken the opportunity to recover when Laporte was... They recovered when Laporte was literally freewheeling and the gap went to 3.30. They got a lot in the legs. You're never bringing them back ever. No one. And I don't even think once the gap went to 3.40, UAE were never bringing it back because when those guys actually go, you, you just... You're not. Like, it's too much on these 5K, 6% climbs. They're not that long. And so it's not for the stage win... And you're also losing time because then Nance Patez doesn't take over. Berthe doesn't take <laughs> over. Guys don't take over. So it's like, well, you're, they, didn't, they didn't just start losing time to the guys they were pacing behind. I was like, well, commit to it or don't. Like, are you committed to it? Because what's the point in pacing with Nance and take a minute out and then, oh, we won't use Nance Patez or Berthe or too much or Standerwolf because, oh, we'll stop. I was like, what? And then they all come back. Bookman, Lander. GC Coos lives. Woo! GC Coos lives. I thought it was gone for a second. Um, I thought it died. Yeah, it was looking pretty precarious at to that To be point. honest, to be honest, precarious. We're talking about precarious, but 
this guy will take three minutes on everybody on Cold Lalos anyway. All these guys that are around him in GC, he's going to destroy them on Cold Lalos. So why, why were we even worried in the beginning? I'm not worried. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about winning the Maya Jean here, not just coming fifth or something. Um, <laughs> so, it would have been tough if he lost three, another three minutes to Pikachu to probably win yellow. But yeah, they all come back. Age to our keep pacing a little bit. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then that was because Pino and Martin was ahead, so you can't let them leapfrog. But yeah, I would just... I've never seen a team pace for the... A team's position in GC, Benji. I've seen a team. I got no problem team pacing for to maintain sixth or seventh or eighth or whatever. I got no mm -hmm. problem, but for thirteenth, that's a little much. I would <laughs> uh, for me. Um. Anyway, breakaway ahead. They're kind of finessing. They're not really doing. They, you can tell they're messing about. No one's really pulling through full. And eventually, MVP, as he's done on every other stage, this sort of stage, really, really impressive. On off the descent of the first of the three climbs. Goes absolutely full with Amador, also a very good descender. Yeah. Has to anticipate, has to, and then hope Group 2 Syndrome takes over behind. And it did for the middle climb. They were giving him a lot of leash, Benji, Matthew van der Poel. They let that gap go to 35, 40 seconds. Well, and this is, this is with teams with multiple riders in the group. And I was saying, oh, and van der Poel is climbing a lot better than we've seen previously. And there's, there's definitely a van der Poel like, he has an off switch that Wout that Van Aert doesn't have. Van der Poel mm -hmm. is like on, fully trying, or just not trying. Like Hayeskabel, <laughs> like you said for that stage, he did not try. Yeah. And when he's trying, it's like, wow, this guy is a different beast climbing. Where were these legs? And it's like, well, he's full trying because he can go for the stage. And so really smart from him. He also drops Amador. What did you see from the group behind? Because, yeah, I, I feel like... Guerrero should have laid it more on the line for Jorgensen in this stage. He did a little bit attacking on the second climb, but I think that was for KOM points against former enemy too, and he waved at him. Exactly. That was that was after. Do you remember Guerrero fighting Johannesson for he the got, He got 500 Swiss franc fine for it. Yeah, on the tourmalet, right? Yeah. <laughs> I also think that he got relegated to last in his group at the finish line while finishing solo on that stage. Really? So he got it's relegated to, to the same position on that stage, which is really stupid. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I agree. I agree. The thing I saw on that climb was, I wasn't sure about the 40 second being correct because I felt like it was more towards 30 and then the motorbike maybe moved a little because it, yeah. it went up to 40 and then shot back down to 30. And I had just like, I had just accepted, okay, 42 kilometers solo of match of Annapol. It's coming, baby. It's coming. But it, it wasn't the case because towards the end of the climb, they just sped up. Jorgensen first, second yeah, Guerrero with some other following. And then going into the descent, I was like, oh, he's going to gain time again. But he kind of didn't. Meanwhile, he was going full. He yeah. nearly, nearly hit. Yeah, he nearly hit one of those like Haybell's Roglic style, but in the same way that he did in Roubaix almost on the hem section. Is that the one with the, the thingies on the side? Uh, Willem's a hem. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. The Lampart section. Yeah, where he's yeah. flicking them. Yeah, right. Good memory. I'll put that curse section on my mind. You're right. But Jorgensen was pushing forward. And you could, as Benji mentioned, you're like, oh, it's 30 seconds. It's a bit much, no? But then as soon as someone accelerates in that group behind of climbers, it's like 15 seconds evaporates. You're like, okay, they're, yeah. they're managing this okay. There's teammates in here. And so we go into this descent. Jorgensen's pushing full. He actually gaps the group, Benoit off the wheel. Pino tacks on to Jorgensen's wheel. I would say Pino and Jorgensen was pretty committed. Uh, they should have committed to this move, actually. And I think they, they get to the climb. MVP's pacing. 
Jorgensen and Pino get across to MVDP, group behind. What I saw was a pretty strong lead out from Martin at points. It was yep. attacks, but Martin basically launches his Aguirre. They ca- as they catch up with, well, sorry, they catch up with MVDP. I'm like, 2Ks left. They got to drop this guy. And by a lot yep. too. You can't drop him by 10 seconds because he'll come back in the descent. You have to drop him properly. And so I was like, who's going to attack? Who's going to attack? Izagira, strong attack. And this was the, the one mistake of otherwise a very good tactical stage. Vanderpool tries to go with Izagira. And he, he completely flicks himself here. He is and trying to hold the wheel. And none of the other climbers did. None of the other climbers tried to go with this Izagira kick. And Vanderpool, I'm like, he's going to park himself. Eventually gets cracked. And he full parks. All the other climbers come around him. They drop him. He's gone out of the stage. And I, I think, maybe not. But I think if he rode a little bit more conservatively in the wheels, maybe, maybe he makes it over the climb ju- just behind the, the note and Jorgensen group. Not too far. But he lost like 50 seconds then. And I think it's because of following Izagira's acceleration. I think so as well. I think he probably doesn't win regardless of that. But I do think it would have been a better decision to not just instantly respond to Izagiri and let others do it for you. Because you're not in that situation. The others have the energy to spend it because you've been ahead this entire time. So you might as well save yourself because you know you've got the better descending. So you should be able to come closer to half the people that are in this group in that descent. Then again, Izagiri, pretty good descender, as we see in the descent that follows. Like We always think about rain when we think about Yon Izagiri. I remember the, was it 2016? The, might have been the Juplan stage in 2016 where Nibli and Izagire were ahead. I might be talking about the wrong Izagire here, but I hope I'm not. Yon Izagire with Nibli in the last descent, stage 20 of 2016 is my guess. And Izagire just hard dropped Nibli in the descent, which was a rainy descent. It was, it was. So, Yon Izagire, yeah. Fuck yes, Juplan. my memory's good. <laughs> Anyway, it was, it's also because I'm so hurt by him beating Nibali that day that it scarred in my mind forever. Well, isn't Gorky anyway, the guy that crashed into a van on a descent of the tour, like, or a signpost? Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, he's a masterful descender. Like, all the, half the Basques, even Aaron Brew, your boy, he did try and get in the break today. He is here, Benji. I was keeping an eye out. He's even closing some moves with his boys ahead. And I was like, oh, I don't know about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, the Basques are... Uh, almost universally excellent descenders and, and the, the gap is 30 seconds and it's not just his descending Izagira also was the strongest he danced away yep. from all these guys they tried eventually to start closing the gap but he's solo on the climb you know 7.5% he's just taking seconds yes Jorgensen tries to kick back but no it's in his wheel and we saw the death of we, we saw oh group 2 syndrome in stage 10 poor old Chris Nealans don't if Chris Nealans do not watch this stage back on TV, because you'd be like, why the fuck did I get the most cooperative chase group in the history of cycling? And then everyone reverted back to group two syndrome like normal on today. Now, the difference was Guillaume Martin was in this group. He did an excellent job marking moves and being a nuisance in that group. Yeah. Also, he's trying to, he's moving up on GC. Uh, we should say as well, Ineos are chasing to maintain the gap, but nothing happens in the GC group. Forget about it. Why? To keep the gap to Martin and, um, uh, Pino. Are they really scared of Pino and Martin? They're not scared, but you put Castro on the front, he's there. Put him on the front, it's just time you don't have to take back later. Is that the, isn't that not the same for Ajdezer? Then again, it's for turning 13 position. No, it's <laughs> different when it's like, four, what's Rodriguez in? 
for? It's difference fourth and eighth is different to try and move from sixteenth to thirteenth, in my opinion. Like, okay, listen, right. you can say this is beneath Ineos, but it's not beneath them. And Castro's yeah. there, and I think I don't have a problem with it. It's just you know, okay, I would have liked they probably wanted to be in the break and they didn't get in. Um, anyway. Izagir on the descent, masterful group syndrome, two syndrome takes over. There's not much more to say, really. Like Jorg, uh, Jorgensen, Bergado, Benote, and Pino a little bit were pulling. Johannesson maybe made some enemies apart from me today, Benji. He was skipping for a while. He yeah. might have just been really tired. And then they just start attacking each other, and you know it's absolutely done. So Jon Izagire goes away solo on the Rosier to win Cofidis second. Tour de France stage in the same year, they'd be like, can we spread these out a little bit more? <laughs> Unbelievable. Jorgensen and Bergado finally break away from the others. Bergado takes second. That must be Total's best result of the tour so far. A minute back, Jorgensen third. He basically rode. Jorgensen did the most work. He, he was a workhorse yep. today, just unlucky. Benote fourth, Johannesson fifth, Pino sixth with Martin. They are scattered everywhere. Dylan Turns actually got dropped. I, when he got in the break initially, I thought Turns might win but he, he i don't think he has the form of yesteryear and yeah vc and, and guerrero in ninth so but yes do you reckon that Campenarts and oh, what's the other belgian benote show today that they deserve, deserve to be in the world championships team of belgian because i feel like they might have i don't really see Campenarts. Um, i don't know i feel like i see is, it is victor Campenarts better than alex Seger? Alex Sigard is focusing on the ITTU 23, so I'm not counting him in the possible pool of selection in the first place. Why can't he do a road race? Because he, he probably doesn't want to, it seemingly. Uh, I don't know. I think there's some better Belgians than Campenas. But no, sure, he'll probably have to go for the... Because he's Wavenart and Van Hooydonk's teammate, and you need a block of three Yumbo Belgians, and you'll need some Quickstep Belgians, and you'll need some... Um, Alperson Belgians? Alperson, one Alperson or two Alperson Belgians. So, yeah. Anyway, I don't see it. Don't bring your Three Belgian politics here. Do that later. I'm bringing all the Belgian <laughs> politics here, my friend. I think Benoit, I mean, Benoit won Kernel on that sort of circuit. I think it's hard not to take him. Um, anyway, and Yumbo probably will want him to go. I want to talk about Cofidis a little bit. Now, I don't talk equipment. We don't talk equipment too much on the podcast. I did a thread on Twitter oh, two months ago, maybe after Giro de Sicilia, about Astana and how Cavendish... Yep. And Astana were using headwheels all of a sudden, and Corima were their wheel sponsor, uh, were their proper wheel sponsor. And I was like, why is this happening? And suddenly they got some better results. Astana, I said, it's all the wheels, bit of a joke, tongue in cheek, but equipment does matter. And then I got some messages actually, even from, from some Basque Cofidis fans, so specific, specifically relevant to this, who said, actually, Corima don't offer a tubeless wheel, which is standard, by the way. It's, it's in the Pro Peloton, they're all running tubeless pretty much. Tubeless yeah. at four and a half bar or whatever. And on June 22nd, if you look at Corum's Twitter, they've actually finally released, got up to date, they released a tubeless wheel in time for the tour. And so Arcofidus finally on the same wheels, the tubeless wheels that everyone else is on, and the guys, maybe they got the best legs in the world and they've just been held back. I don't know. And now they're on the tubeless wheels. Uh, obviously, that's not true completely, but... <laughs> It makes a difference, man. There's just small margins you. in a breakaway. There's small margins. And whoever's fresher at the end, and if it's four watts that you've saved, or three watts, not that you've saved, everyone else had the watts, and you were losing mm -hmm. five watts to everybody every race, that matters. So, I don't know, it's just something to... 
I no one really knows or focuses on tech. It's not like F1, but this stuff really does make a difference. Yeah, I think it probably has more of a difference than people would expect when it comes to equipment. And I'd love for there to be like a, a more, I don't know, a more detailed like spec at the start of the season that if there was like a third party f- organization that tests all the equipment of every team and compares it to each other so we know how much watts it saves, that shit would be fun. But obviously it's unrealistic because it costs a lot of money. Two, good luck figuring that out. Three, that's never going to happen. Four, can we talk about other margins? For example, why did UAE not switch to going for the stage when the gap went down to 2 minutes 20 after Ajazer was starting to pace on the last few mills? Because I feel like there was an opportunity there for them to maybe go for bonus seconds. Saving their biggies for tomorrow, I think. Probably. Yeah. Also, I don't think you can close 2.20 or 2 minutes to that break on one climb. I really don't think you can. And so then you don't take the eight bonies. And then you're going to chase the valley and try and catch them with Micah or someone, right? Because mm-hmm. to, to catch them, you're going to have to launch the climb. And so what, yeah. is Poggy going to pace the valley? Uh, I think they the time to pace was when the break initially formed and Trenton needed to control them. They, yeah. they opted not to. Uh, and there is a big stage tomorrow. So yeah, in terms of GC behind, not too much. Uh, yeah, Ineos just controlled the gap at four minutes. The revised GC rankings, Thibaut Pino is the only mover in the top 10. He, oh, fuck Pino. He leapfrobs. Why didn't Yumbo chase? Cruz is 11th now. 12 seconds behind Pino in 10th. <laughs> Why are they paying? I've never seen you so disappointed. GC Cus. Laporte, man, come on. <laughs> um. Anyway, but yeah, in the top, I mean, Menkes did a, Guillaume Martin also moves into 13th. Felix Gall actually loses one GC position, which is somewhat amusing. Um, <laughs> down to 17th. So it's actually. <laughs> There's actually to 17th, not huge gaps yet. Yeah. Well, I would need to check after Grenoble last year what the gap to 17th was. I would say these gaps are going to absolutely explode in the next three days. So let's, let's segue into that, Benji. Tomorrow's stage, which I don't think will be as chaotic as today at all. Yeah. From Châtillon-sur-Chaleron to Grand Colombier, 1,500 meters altitude. 137 kilometers, you, you will rarely see... Oh, sorry. First 70 k's are flat, nothing at all. The first IS is uh, 86 k's in after a 8k, 5% climb. Again, I think Pedersen will try to take 23 points there. Uphill drag. Descent, so that's just a warm-up climb, nothing climb, you know. And then uh, 10k valley, fuel up boys, and then 18k's, 7% Grand Colombier, which is in parts. So the first 6k's are actually quite hard or have hard k's, then two easy k's, then another 3k's at actually 9.5%, and then it levels off, and then the finish is the last 4k's is like 5%, with a little punch at the end. So um, I was going to say, uh, you will rarely actually see a climb this long finish that low. So normally a climb that long will not start at like 200 meters. It yeah. won't finish it below 1500. So uh, it, you normally, that's why you normally see monster watts here. And especially with the soft stage beforehand, we should see some absolutely monster watts. It is Bastille Day tomorrow. Um, what do you think, Menji? UAE surely will go for Pogaccia to win the stage. He's won here before. He beat Roglic, by the way, in a sprint when Dumoulin and Koos ran out of steam in the lead up for Roglic back in 2020. Exactly. Also, my thought, 137 kilometers, you would argue that that is controllable, even yeah. though today was a very tough day in the saddle. So 
that might, influ might influence their desires a tiny bit. If half of the team says, I can't do anything tomorrow morning, then they might change plan. Now, it's also the 14th of July, the national holiday Bastille Day in France. So there's going to be a lot of Frenchmen trying to get in the breakaway. So there's a chance there that the break can still win. But I would argue that the ideal situation for us fans that happens tomorrow is that Pogacar wins on top of Grand Colombier, getting a tiny bit closer. And that sets up a super close battle for stage 14, which I believe will be a pretty heroic stage for GC. So I'm looking at tomorrow being like the, the, the starter, you know, it's, it's a starter, not major yeah, yeah, gaps, yeah. but a bit of a starter when it comes to GC, just to fully Im immerse ourselves into the next couple of stages that can actually open up GC big time. I don't see big gaps because obviously, first of all, I doubt Yumbo are going to pace the climb hard. And so, which they did on Puy de Dome. And then the question is, can Micah, Soler and Yates pace the early part of this climb hard enough to launch Pogaccio that he gaps Vingegaard and then he's got to keep it going? I doubt it. And does he and have the confidence to do that? Well, yeah, wouldn't you just play for... I assume they're going to pace at a good tempo and then it's a group of eight for a sprint, right? And then Yates ramps Something it... Something like that. Yates ramps it up in the last K, like they did on Haiskabel. That's how I think they'll play it. Arcus. Kus. Kus. I mean, sprinting yeah. for the stage win. <laughs> I'd love to see it. Um, breakaway, obviously, yeah, it's going to have Thibaut Pino in it. It's going to have Bardet in it. It's going to have Guillaume Martin in it. Menkes, if they can. Buchmann, Landa. Goal should really try and get in the breakaway tomorrow. Yeah. Because, and if you're the other teams, like really, if you're, if you're, say, someone in sixth, you don't have to worry about them going in the break because they will, if they, even if they win or go finish ahead the break, the gap will be tiny. Then this is not a stage where the breakaway can take a huge margin. It's fairly easy to control for the first 75 kilometers. The problem is the flat start is what climbers can even get in that break, like Chavez or someone like that for, yep. for EF. So, um, yeah, I, I can't really go past the Pagacha stage win. It's pretty, like, the most obvious stage outcome of the tour for me, actually. I think so as well. So we're on the same page, and I'm afraid we're going to stay there. Won't leave each other's page, I'm afraid. But I can't deny that I'm I'm looking forward to stage 14 more than stage 13. But yeah. it will still be a good final. I do expect most of the action to happen on the actual final climb and nothing on the climb before, for example. Or no, no. I don't expect a two-hour breakaway formation phase either. No, no way. Because because if you do that and you're a G and you're a fringe GC rider, you risk actually losing a lot of time. Because if you get caught and you're yeah. cooked, you you can. So, yeah, I, I don't see that at all. But, yeah, Kofidis riding high. Uh, very similar to Stage 10, perhaps even more uh, frenetic than, than Stage 10. But, the, in the end, break wins and kind of, yeah, nothing on GC. But a lot of skirmishes, a lot of energy. Who's the winner? I don't know. In GC, kind of nobody. <laughs> nobody won today out of the GC groups. Um, perhaps some ruling miss opportunities. And, yeah, we move on to the stage tomorrow. Um, Time for GC Cruise to get in the break, I think. Time to move up. Win the stage, <laughs> don't you reckon? For La Laws, he'll win by 10 win. minutes. By 10 minutes, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> With Miguel Angel Lopez rolling in his grave. Did <laughs> someone draft Miguel Angel Lopez in for that stage specifically? Oh, I'd love it. Just let, let Medellin have a wild card for one stage. That would be <laughs> such, a, that's such a good initiative. One stage wild card. Oh my God. Imagine Medellin. They would, they would be sending it. <laughs> He'd Sevilla win by five with, minutes. With, Sevilla with the, with the rest of the gang lining up. 
with Miguel Angel Lopez in the wheel. They're doing the lead out. Not UAE, <laughs> not Yambo. Medellin yeah. doing the lead out. Miguel Angel Lopez launching himself from like, probably on the steep section <laughs> of the end. Where, where, yeah, where, <laughs> you can't tell me that wouldn't make the race better. <laughs> it would make the race a lot better. Alrighty, that's our, our little innovation for today. Hope you enjoyed the podcast, and we'll see you with a recap of Stage 13 to Grand Colombia tomorrow. Enjoy Bastille Day. Ciao. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 